Good evening. My name is Dan Peek. Welcome to the WDRT Monthly Review, a look back at this past month's news stories for September 2022. I hope you will offer your feedback by emailing monthlyreview at wdrt.org. I am recording in a studio at the Mead Public Library, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, 24 hours of broadcast. Our vote is important, and there is a difference between the two parties and a two-party system. The good news for Dems, Dem voters are, are unusually motivated to vote. The bad news for Dems, Republican voters are motivated to vote even more so, according to polling. Maybe more significant for Wisconsin, polling has U.S. Senate candidate Mandela Barnes trailing our Senator Ron Johnson, Republican Wisconsin, by a narrow margin. Yes, our Ron Johnson, who called the January 6th insurrection by and large a peaceful protest, wants Medicare and Social Security to be on the chopping block every year, opposes lowering drug prices, is celebrating the overturning of Roe v. Wade and Wisconsinites losing their right to make their own medical decision. And finally, we learn he is now opposed to the Respect for Marriage Act, calling marriage equality a wound that divides this nation. There is a difference. Political offers an opinion of the issues driving the outcome of November midterm elections, abortion, the economy, immigration, and Trump. No difference between parties. One party wants to withdraw individual rights to women, gays, trans, persons of color, or anyone who violates their sensibilities. Look no further than the Constitution. These originalists worship to see the codified lesser status afforded women and persons of color. Look at simple examples of word choice. Persons seeking asylum are illegals used as political pawns, props for performative politics. MAGAs are triggered by news on issues like the climate crises, which drives these truth seekers to anger, and anger drives their search for alternate truths. Their anger is focused on others, so much so that threats of violence are increasingly common and hate crimes are on the rise. That's not to say the other party is perfect. It feels like Dems don't tell their story to the public often enough, too often shy from debate, and only deal with an issue once it's become a crisis. Now, will act to codify a woman's right to abortion? California Governor Newsom, Democrat, noted that Republicans self-define as the party of law and order, but the truth is this. Eight of the top ten states with the highest murder rates all are Republican states, Newsom said. How do Democrats not know that? In fact, it's really 9 out of 10 because Georgia, which went for Biden, it's clearly a Republican state, or at least a red state, 8 out of 10, and we're losing that message? This nonsense of originalism is based on a document that defined blacks as three-fifths of a person without any rights. It took a civil war for blacks to get the right to vote and another half a century for women to gain that right. Speaking of the Civil War, a judge in Arizona restored a law put into effect by Arizona's territorial legislature in 1864 that has been widely interpreted as a ban on all abortions except to save a woman's life. Much creative interpretation was required of Pima County Superior Court Judge Kelly Johnson to get there, but get there she did. Similar to Arizona, Wisconsin's current ban is based on a 173-year-old abortion ban, a law enacted just one year after Wisconsin became a state. Now, Republican candidate for governor Tim Michels has reversed his opinion on total abortion and is open to some exceptions. What a guy. To be clear, Democratic Governor Tony Evers has pushed to overturn the state's abortion law. There is a huge difference. Forget settled law. Johnson wants to overturn same-sex marriage, and Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican South Carolina, wants a national ban on abortion. We are suffering through the insanity of one party wanting to govern us through antiquated laws and alternative truths. This is maddening. The pattern of denial, indifference, vilification, lies, deflections, what's my point? It took anti-abortionists 50 years to withdraw a woman's right to abortion, but they did. 
Democracy is a slow process, and almost no one is happy along the way, but authoritarianism is worse. And there is only one path, one party, that even pursues justice and fairness for all. Remember, the 50-year road leading to renewing bans on abortion was paved by voting, and those same people will vote in November. Women are being threatened with criminalization for aborting a fetus. One party is driving this. Women look to be highly motivated to vote. The least the rest of us can do is get off our ass to support them. There are two people who embody authoritarianism that are in our daily news and are affecting the lives of billions of people. Trump has taken off his disguise of democracy and is comfortable promoting violence to return him to the White House. I don't believe Trump believes in anything. His narcissism drives him to want more. And the path to more can only happen by ramping up his attacks. The second authoritarian, Russian President Putin, is cut from the same cloth. As Maureen Dowd, opinion columnist for the New York Times, says, both would rather destroy their countries than admit they have lost. Both had a horrible September, but fear the wounded beast. After a huge setback in Ukraine as a result of a resoundingly successful Ukrainian counter-assault, Putin is again threatening to use nuclear weapons. Putin mobilized 300 additional troops, up to 1 million over the coming months. Two weeks after Putin launched his invasion of Ukraine last February, he assured the women of Russia that neither conscripts nor reservists would be sent to the front. Only professional military personnel would be fighting, he had promised. Putin has used sham referendums in Ukrainian territory occupied by the Russian military for annexation to underscore his claim of protecting Russians. Putin will never admit he is wrong. Putin has boxed himself in and with no option but to keep going. While the manpower may not be available right now, he will ramp up his bombardment of Ukraine's infrastructure, kill Ukrainian citizens, civilians, and continue committing war crimes. Putin can punish Ukraine by blocking reconstruction and contributing to the ruin of the country while hoping for a collapse in Western resolve in a protracted war. And here is one connection. If Trump were to return to the White House, Putin's chance of victory improves greatly. Ukraine President Zelensky said of Trump recently, probably he needed this to promote his domestic policy to show that he's ready to find understanding with the president of Russia. Trump will also double down as he tries to stay ahead of his increasing legal problems. Going all in on authoritarianism as he makes it clear to MAGAs, it's about protecting him. Demanding MAGAs vote based on which candidates promise to protect him. A September University of Chicago poll estimates 18 million Americans believe a violent response would be justified if Trump were charged with mishandling classified documents. And it's his business model. Without his various political action committees and donations, can he even afford to pay his legal bills? Trump spent over $3.8 million on legal consulting fees in in August, the month the FBI searched his Mar-a-Lago home paid for by his Save America PAC. Filling in some of the details from September news, last week the New York Times editorial board published This Threat to Democracy is Hiding in Plain Sight. Even with the absence of any proof of widespread voter fraud, many top Republican officials and lawmakers have spent the last two years striking back and drawn the most attention for their efforts to pass voter integrity laws that aim to make voting more onerous under the guise of preventing fraud. From January 21st to May of this year, just under three dozen restrictive laws have been passed in nearly 20 states, according to the Brennan Center for Justice. These are pernicious laws, and they undermine America's hard-won rights to vote. But just as important is the matter of who counts the votes and who decides which votes count and which do not. This is where Mr. Trump's allies have focused much of their scheming since his re-election defeat. 
Their mission is to take over America's election infrastructure, or at least key parts of it, from the ground up by filling key positions of influence with Trump sympathizers. Rather than threatening election officials, they will be the election officials. The poll workers and county commissioners and secretaries of state responsible for overseeing the casting, counting, and certifying of votes. One example. After the May primary election in Pennsylvania, three Republican-controlled counties refused to count several hundred mail-in ballots on which the voters had failed to write a date on the envelope. The administration of Governor Tom Wolf, a Democrat, filed suit, and last month a judge ruled that the ballots had to be included in the results, finally clearing away for the primaries to be certified. The lesson here, if you don't vote, you risk being able to vote or to have your vote counted in the future. At a September rally in Ohio, purportedly to rally for J.D. Vance, the Republican candidate for Ohio for the U.S. Senate, Trump offered a long, angry rant about the investigations he is facing. Trump was reported as seething about unhinged uh, persecution. I've been harassed, investigated, defamed, slandered, and persecuted like no other president. What they've done, the radical Democrats and the deep state, is a form of political repression unlike anything our nation has ever seen. After chiding Vance for kissing my ass, he told Vance, it's a disgrace, and J.D., you got to get it stopped. These are not idle ravings. They are better understood as a directive of what Trump actually expects the GOP-controlled Congress to do for him, much as he once infamously directed the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. Jennifer Rubin, opinion columnist for Washington Post, using overly polite language notes, Trump has gone full QAnon. As he spoke at the Ohio rally, a soundtrack associated with the conspiracy theory played that elicited one-armed salutes, another QAnon symbol, from many attendees. The display bore an uncanny resemblance to the infamous Nazi salute. The delusional incitement and zombie-like response should put to rest the notion that President Biden, or anyone, should be reaching out to these people. They are unreachable and pretending otherwise misleads voters. Here is history professor and blogger Heather Cox Richardson's report. Trump made it clear that he is no longer playing with a violent extremist base, but rather cultivating it. In the days before the event, he retruthed posts from the conspiracy theory QAnon, whose followers believe that he is leading a secret war against pedophiles and cannibals, and that he will soon be placed back into power, arrest his Democratic enemies, try them, and execute some of them. That moment of his return is called the storm, and one of his retruths assures his audience that the storm is coming. So like it has to be indistinguishable from it and featured other QAnon-adjacent politicians. Even the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel pulled no punches, noting Biden's Milwaukee's Labor Fest speech praising unions. I'm here because of you. The middle class built America, but the unions built the middle class. That's a fact. Not every Republican is a MAGA Republican. Not every Republican embraces that extreme ideology. I know because I've been able to work with mainstream Republicans my entire career. But the extreme MAGA Republicans in Congress have chosen to go backwards, full of anger, violence, hate, and division. As I stand here tonight, equality and democracy are under assault. We do ourselves no favor to pretend otherwise. MAGA Republicans are destroying American democracy. Biden added in a speech in Rockville, Maryland, it's not just Trump. It's the entire philosophy that underpins the I'm going to say something like it's semi-fascism. There's no question that Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans, and that is a threat to this country. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of the people. 
They refuse to accept the results of a free election, Biden said, adding that too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Last week was a legal hell week for Trump, and it's only going to get worse. The two major developments, the New York State Attorney General's civil suit and Department of Justice criminal investigation into mishandling of classified documents he had stashed around Mar-a-Lago. New York Attorney General Letitia James announced the state is suing the former president and his three eldest children for fraud. The civil lawsuit alleges Trump and his senior management at the Trump Organization fraudulently inflated the value of real estate assets for financial benefit. The AG's office is requesting that Trump, Don Jr., Eric, and Ivanka all be barred from borrowing money or conducting business in New York. They would also have to pay back the $250 million they allegedly obtained illegally. James also warned her investigation may lead to criminal charges for the former president. The New York AG made a referral to the Southern District of New York. There's potential federal charges for bank fraud. Also last week, an appeals court ruled the Justice Department can resume reviewing classified documents seized by the FBI from Trump's Mar-a-Lago home following many attempts over months to have Trump return to documents. This is specific to the 100 documents marked classified in addition to the general exposure Trump could face for willful retention of national defense information and obstruction of justice. The appeals court overturned a ruling by Judge Eileen M. Cannon of the U.S. District Court of the Southern District of Florida, who had granted former President Trump's request for a special master to review the nearly 11,000 documents FBI agents seized in their search of the Trump Organization's property at Mar-a-Lago on August 8th and halting the investigation until the review was completed. Judge Cannon justified her decision because she was mindful of the need to ensure at least the appearance of fairness and integrity under the extraordinary circumstances presented. That is, a Trump-appointed judge confirmed by the Senate on November 13, 2020, after Trump had lost the election, had stepped between the Department of Justice and Trump, benefiting Trump. The Trump-nominated special master appointed to review the files, has given Trump until Friday, the day of the broadcast, to back up his claims that he declassified the documents and that the FBI planted evidence in the search. Trump's legal exposure over government documents was self-imposed. Following the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago, it was Trump who went public and sued the Department of Justice. Of course, Trump sees this as a winning re-election issue. Deep state, FBI harassment, blah, blah. It's likely to be his most significant business initiative ever, milking millions from his MAGA supporters. Eventually, Trump will have to answer the basic question, why he had these documents that were the property of the U.S. government and both the DOJ and the National Archives had asked for for nearly a year, why he lied about returning the documents and why the boxes containing the documents were unsecured at Mar-a-Lago. Which brings the Trump news full circle. His only safety from legal exposures looks to be re-election and protection by MAGA government officials. No difference? Consider Putin. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky noted that Ukrainian forces have recaptured more than 2,300 square miles in the east and south of the country so far this month in its counteroffensive against Russia. The deputy chairman of the Security Council of Russia, Dmitry Medvedev, said, To defend that annexed land, Russia is able to use not only its newly mobilized forces, but also any Russian weapon, including strategic nuclear ones and those using new principles, which is a reference to hypersonic weapons. Medvedev added, Russia has chosen its path. There is no way back. Russian forces carried out missile strikes that narrowly missed the nuclear reactor plant in southern Ukraine, officials in Kyiv said. 
days after an international watchdog warned that shelling at another atomic energy site risked causing a serious incident. A three-person commission of inquiry set up in April to investigate the conduct of hostilities in four areas of Ukraine laid out the graphic allegations in an unusually hard-hitting 11-minute statement to the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva. The panel's chairman, Eric Morse, told the council, The commission has documented cases in which children have been raped, tortured, and unlawfully confined. The report adds more chilling allegations to the list of crimes widely reported in Ukraine and international investigators probing the execution of civilians in Bucha and the mass burial site found near the town of Izium after it was recaptured by Ukrainian troops this month. Mr. Moore said, based on the evidence gathered by the commission, it is concluded that war crimes have been committed in Ukraine. The commission found that some Russian troops had committed sexual and gender-based violence, while the victims ranging in age from four years old to 82 the commission was documenting the actions of individual soldiers and had not found any general pattern of sexual violence as a war strategy. The commission findings were based on visits to 27 towns and settlements in regions of Kiev, Cherniv, Kharkiv, and Sumy, and interviews with more than 150 victims and witnesses. Mr. Mose said the experts inspected sites of destruction, graves, and places of detention and torture. In what feels like a summary remark Biden offered, Donald Trump isn't just a former president. He is a defeated former president, and it's not hyperbole now. You need to vote to literally save democracy again. Biden also laid out an economic roadmap, this from a White House release. Biden's administration released an economic economic blueprint to show how the new laws and policies it has put in place are rebuilding an economy that works for working families. The Biden-Harris economic blueprint notes that President Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, took office in the midst of unprecedented crises, including an economy that for many decades had been failing to deliver for working families. The blueprint calls for empowering workers through unionization and new jobs, restoring the country's manufacturing base by investing in infrastructure and clean energy, helping families by lowering costs and expanding access to affordable and high-quality health care, child care, education, housing, and so on, promoting industrial competition to open the way for entrepreneurs and bring down costs, and rewarding work, not wealth, by reforming taxation so that taxes do not go up on anyone who makes less than $400,000 a year and that wealthy corporations pay their fair share. What the blueprint calls new architecture must, it says, replace the old regime. The old system sent economic gains to the top while outsourcing industries, and the end of public investment hollowed out the middle class. The new system will drive the economy from the bottom up and the middle out because the system ensures that growth benefits everyone. A note on climate. In Pakistan, the highest rainfall in over three decades killed 1,400 people in June, followed by horrific heat waves, followed by weeks of unceasing rain. Huge monsoon rainfall followed months of intense heat and no rain. Floodwaters now cover one-third of the country. Rivers from the Yangtze to the Rhine all but dried up, limiting navigation for important trade routes and limiting hydropower generation. An example of risk, Washington State derives two-thirds of its power generation from hydropower. This month, a team of scientists noted that failure to limit global warming to targets set by the international accords will most likely set off several tipping points with irreversible effects, including the collapse of the Greenland and West Antarctic ice sheets, abrupt thawing of Arctic permafrost, and death of coral reefs. 
one of the researchers. Johann Rockström, the director of the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research in Germany, said the team had come to the very dire conclusion that 1.5 degrees Celsius is a threshold beyond which some of these effects would start. That makes it all the more imperative, he and others said, for nations to quickly and drastically cut emissions of carbon dioxide and other heat-trapping gases to curb global warming. One party denies the climate crisis. One party passed a bill last month that will invest nearly $375 billion in climate-fighting strategies, including investments in renewable energy production and tax rebates for consumers to buy new or used electric vehicles. There were four notable deaths this month. Mikhail S. Gorbachev, who rose to power in the Soviet Union, set in motion a series of revolutionary changes that transformed the map of Europe and ended the Cold War that had threatened the world with nuclear annihilation, died in Moscow. He was 91. Abroad, he is remembered for cutting through Soviet ideology to bring real positive change to Europe. But to many in Russia, the change brought about by Gorbachev was a disaster. President Putin called the collapse of the Soviet Union the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the century. And, of course, he is acting on this personal view. Queen Elizabeth died after 70 years on the throne of England. She is followed by King Charles III. Kenneth Starr dies in Houston at the age of 76. Ed Luce, U.S. correspondent for the Financial Times, offered this. The first time I set foot in Washington, D.C. was September 9, 1998, the day that Kenneth Starr's Clinton report was published. To cut a long story short and few tales beg as much abbreviation as Starr's four-year investigation into the Clintons, the report oozed with detailed sex encounters and the bodice-ripping language of a Harold Robbins novel. In Starr's case, it is perhaps fortuitous that his death has been swamped by that of Queen Elizabeth. His legacy is not a good one. I would divide it into two. The rise of the Christian judicial activism and the age of massively overhyped fishing expeditions into the executive branch. On the first, Starr's post-report life speaks volumes. He ended up as president of the Baylor University in 2016, resigned in disgrace for having downplayed a spate of allegations against the school's football team. More than a dozen women claimed they had been raped or sexually assaulted, but the university consistently failed to take them seriously, according to a report by its board of regents. The report blames Starr for protecting the football team's culture, the same Starr who was outraged by consensual oral sex in the Oval Office. Starr also negotiated Jeffrey Epstein's remarkably generous 2008 Florida plea bargain for having sexually abused dozens of underage girls. Starr was originally appointed to investigate the failed whitewater real estate investments in which the Clintons had a stake, and clear them he did. Along the way, he discovered Paula Jones, Linda Tripp, Monica Lewinsky, and a semen-stained blue dress. The rest is tawdry and gratuitous history. Starr was not alone in his selective outrage, which his legal team stoked with a regular diet of salacious leaks. It turned out that Newt Gingrich, the House Speaker, was having an affair with a staff member and asked his wife for a divorce on her deathbed. Needless to say, Starr and Gingrich had changed their minds about the merits of impeaching a president by the time Donald Trump was in a crosshairs. The founder of Patagonia, the outdoor equipment business that grew from the love of rock climbing and the natural world, has long given a percentage of its sales to environmental causes and discouraged the consumption that seems innate to retail. Now, though, he is giving away his company. At age 83, even Chenard has donated his family's voting shares to the new Patagonia Purpose Trust. Ken Starr compared to Chenard. Worth noting, as we learn of Starr's death, Trump's special prosecutor to uncover deep state political attacks on him, the crime of the century, 
Ken Durham has ended his three-year investigation and found nothing. I will offer two special acknowledgments and then wrap up. The first is about former Green Bay Packers quarterback Brett Favre. Favre is accused of helping to divert $5 million in federal welfare funds from helping people in poverty to building a volleyball facility at the University of Southern Mississippi where his daughter was a volleyball player. Favre was allegedly paid $1.1 million for participation in the theft according to text exchanges released by the Mississippi Community Education Center. The second is the news of Hurricane Ian, which came ashore on the west coast of Florida on just this past Wednesday, late afternoon, one of the most powerful storms to ever hit the United States. Millions of people are without electricity. The number of deaths is unknown, but President Biden has warned that Ian could end up being the deadliest storm in Florida history. The cooperation between Biden and Governor DeSantis, Republican, is noteworthy. I will hold fire on DeSantis's vote while in Congress against aid for people affected by Hurricane Sandy in 2013. And it's likely we'll hear much more about a suit brought by Florida State Senator Jason Pizzo, Democrat, over DeSantis's payment of $1.5 million of COVID relief funding to fly migrants from Texas to Martha's Vineyard in a performative political action. Maybe you still underestimate Trump's capacity for self-preservation, cruelty, and vindictiveness. Democracy itself is under attack. Ron Johnson's not on the pro-democracy side of the fight. Ron Johnson could be the poster child for MAGA disinformation. First, spread lies and conspiracy theories. Then, act based on the appearance that something is shady. Johnson has done this with a COVID pandemic to accusations of voter fraud and purported stolen election and much more. Dowd finished her review with losers refusing to admit defeat. Let's use our vote to seal the deal for both. A defeat that both go forward in history simply as losers. Thank you for listening.